Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. Good morning, NetWorld, and thank you for tuning in. We're continuing with our series, GGBW, or God's Got a Better Way. Are the Ten Commandments still relevant today? Do they really have any meaning, or should we put them away? Are they really legalism that's condemning everyone, or could they be bringing life? These are deep questions. And we've been studying the Ten Commandments, being do not worship any other gods besides me, do not make, worship, or bow down to idols of any kind, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Those first four have to do with our relationship with God. And just recently, we began on the last six commandments, which have to do with our relationship with our neighbor. And commandment number five defines first who is our neighbor. And that was the question the lawyer asked Jesus. God's got a better way. I call it wisdom from the mountain. Who is our neighbor? Obviously, it's first our mother and father. It would also include our entire family, then those who have authority over us, those who live next door, and literally all people. Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan to show that our neighbor includes those we don't even know. And the Bible Knowledge Commentary says about Deuteronomy 5.16, to honor one's parents means to value or prize them highly. Children living at home express this by obeying their parents. This commandment was critical for the existence of the nation that you, plural, may live long, and that it may go well with you, plural, in the land. Parents, especially fathers, rather than the religious leaders, were to pass the covenant values to their children. Many see commandment number five as a transitional commandment, the one between loving God and loving our neighbor. And as we mentioned yesterday, the Faith Life Study Bible says this about honoring your father and your mother. This acts as a hinge law between the two categories of the laws since it has elements of both a divine and interpersonal relationship. The dual focus demonstrates that faith to God was of central importance for the family, and the family was also responsible for teaching loyalty to God. This is also the only law with an entirely positive focus and offer a reward. The Hebrew word for honor, which is kabed, refers to reverence and respect. It is used with both parents and God as its object, reflecting the dual emphasis of the command noted. Wow. Honor your father and mother. Commandment number five. I get it. I understand that. And it's the first part of loving our neighbor. Let's talk about commandment number six, which says do not murder. Well, obviously, this does not apply only to one's mother and father. It applies to our neighbor or all others. The most important thing we must understand is that this commandment is referring to the killing of innocent life. 
You see, God is pro-life. But what about capital punishment or taking the life of someone who kills another? It's a good question, and it's answered in Romans 13, 3 through 4. It says, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. The Spirit-Filled Life Study Bible says murder is an intentional, wanton taking of someone's life. This commandment is not speaking of accidental killing, wartime killing, or capital punishment, the latter two being essential God-ordained sanctions of government in administrating a fallen world. This commandment is aimed at the sanctity of human life in the eyes of God. Deuteronomy 17, 6-7 says, Whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. The hands of the witnesses shall be the first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the people. So you shall put away the evil from among you. You see, murder is hatred and purposeful killing of innocent life. However, taking someone's life in protection of your own life, your family, or your country is not the killing of innocent life. Neither is capital punishment when there is proof by two or more witnesses. An accidental killing of another does not qualify. Jesus established the standard of the sixth commandment above the physical action of murder to the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And it says in 1 John 3, verses 14 through 15, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You see, love is the foundation. It's the bottom line, the one thing that will never fail. As 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, love never fails. Yes, when God says do not murder, he's talking about the killing of innocent life. And now let's move to commandment number seven. Do not commit adultery. Now remember, in Exodus twenty four twelve, God told Moses to come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I'll give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written that you may teach them. You see, the Ten Commandments have to do with moral law, and moral law is the foundation of all law. Without a solid foundation of moral law, we'll never be able to arrive at true justice, fairness, or righteousness in any situation. This is why it is very important who decides or establishes the foundations of moral law. I've personally chosen God to be the one who will establish moral law for me, and I believe he is the only source of true morality and justice. When we take God out of law and enforcement, we become a lawless society by default. Now, adultery, it's a big word. Most of us understand it as someone who is married, having an intimate relationship with someone they're not married to. Well, this is a very shallow definition, for this word stands for all sexual immorality outside of the marriage covenant. Most of us would agree that if our marriage partner had an intimate relationship with someone else, that it is wrong and would be grounds for divorce. Well, the Word of God substantiates this. 
In Matthew chapter 5, verse 32, reading in the Amplified Version, it says, But I tell you, whoever dismisses and repudiates and divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unfaithfulness, being sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who has been divorced commits adultery. Notice how the word adultery is defined as unfaithfulness through sexual immorality. This is because God's boundary for sex is the marriage covenant. There must be a commitment of faithfulness within the marriage covenant to be right before God. This being the case, we now have to define sexual immorality. And we need to allow the word of God to define it to be sure we're not slanting our definition with any bias. Is God trying to punish us or take away our pleasures in life? Absolutely not. On the contrary, he wants us to live happy, healthy, and successful lives. We could say it this way, Father knows best. Remember our list of community problems? Now, as you look at this list, which ones would actually lessen or cease to exist if we all obeyed God's commands concerning adultery and the marriage covenant? Well, think about it. Teen pregnancies and STDs, they would go away. Abortion, pornography, they would go away. Divorce, single mothers, they'd be reduced greatly. Fatherless children, be reduced greatly. Deadbeat dads, be reduced greatly. Perversion and rape, those things would be reversed greatly if we had no sex outside of the marriage covenant. How about adultery and fornication and homosexuality? Yes, these things would be reduced greatly in our society because people will be following God's boundaries of sex only in the marriage covenant. You see, it's true, GGBW, God's got a better way for you, for your family, and for your children. What does it all boil down to? It boils down to our acceptance, our love, and our obedience to God. Hmm. Well, we live in a selfish world, don't we? Now, here's a strong warning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 8. He says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. And then he says, Therefore he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Again, it boils down to our acceptance of God's word and allowing him to set the boundaries. And in order to do so, we must believe that he's a good God and fully wanting our success in life. Many argue from the point of love that as long as anything is consensual, it's acceptable. Well, the adultery your spouse just committed with another could be called consensual. What do you think about that? Obviously, we agree with God on adultery. But the definition of sexual immorality is entirely another story. Maybe we agree that rape and pedophilia are wrong. But what about homosexuality, same-sex marriage, bestiality, sex outside of marriage, pornography, and so on? Well, there's another word for that, and that word is fornication. It's the Greek word pornea, P-O-R-N-E-I-A. And it's the root word of our English word pornography. What does it stand for? It stands for simply any sex outside of the marriage covenant. And 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, now, I might be accused of hate speech, but please understand these are not my words. They are the word of God. And if we accept them as a word of God, and I do, then this is not hate speech. Rather, it's truth speech in order to help anyone who's looking for help. Yes, even God gives us complete free will, but not without boundaries and consequences. I want to listen to him, and my prayer is that you do too. I recommend we not put our hand on the hot stove. So, when we talk about fornication and adultery, remember, God's got a better way. He wants us to win. He wants us to succeed in life. He's not trying to hurt us. He's giving us boundaries for life. And the Lord told Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I'll give you tablets of stone and the law and the commandments which I have written that you may teach them. We're out of time again, so I'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. God's got a better way. I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.